everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. I'm your host, and and today's going to be an incredible day. Guys, I want to encourage you to subscribe and share the Adventures in the Spirit podcast or even this live stream. Uh, If it blesses you, please feel free to be a blessing to others. We want to awaken this generation to the power of the Holy Spirit. We're here to encourage, equip, and empower you to follow the Holy Spirit and walk in your adventure with the Holy Spirit. Before we jump into today's interview, I want to give you guys the option of looking at my Charisma Course, Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Go to charismacourses.com. You could get the free e-course, The Baptism with the Holy Spirit, or purchase Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course on charismacourses.com. Check this out before we jump into today's interview. You want to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Do you want signs and wonders to take place through you? Do you want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, where people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are you looking for a game-changing move of God? I believe that it begins with our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When I'm developing the Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course, I know will equip you and empower you to walk in the love and grace and power of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, know Him better. I believe that this e-course will equip you and empower you to walk in the power of God, and it will benefit your church community, it will bless you and your small group. I am Jared Lasky of Fireborn Ministries. And that was the Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course available for purchase on charismacourses.com. Guys, I'm so excited for my special guest today. I'm so excited for what God has in store for you. He's an award-winning journalist. He's a Christian businessman. He's an author. He's the CEO and founder of Charisma Media. Stephen Strang has just released his latest book, God Trump 
and COVID-19. I want to welcome Stephen String to Adventures in the Spirit. Stephen, welcome. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be with you. Well, it's it's an honor to have you on this program, sir. And I'm I'm excited for what God has in store for us, but we love to hear people's stories. And I'd love to know how you came to Jesus and were baptized with a wonderful Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, let me say that I'm glad to connect with you. I'm aware that you're on our Charisma Podcast Network. Um, I haven't seen your e-course yet. That's something that we started not long ago. But boy, that trailer was great. Uh, you must have had a good makeup artist that day. Um, just kidding. And uh, to answer your question, I grew up in a Pentecostal family. My father was a, an Assemblies of God minister. So I don't ever remember going to church for the first time. It was probably the first week I was alive. Of course, God has no grandchildren, only children. So at some point I had to accept the Lord, which I did when I was very, very young. I actually believe that people who do that, as I did, have to make a second decision, maybe when they understand a whole lot better of what's going on or maybe a recommitment of their life. And that is what I would have done maybe when I was in uh, college. It was at the height of the Jesus movement. You're probably not old enough to remember the Jesus movement, but it was, no, sir. you know, we had a, a we had the summer of love and uh, Woodstock and LSD and free love for really the first time in our culture where it was so much out of the open. Um, lots and lots of drug overdoses. It looked like we were losing a whole generation. And then we started hearing about hippies uh, walking into churches barefoot, sitting cross-legged at the front of the congregation while the old people were like aghast that anybody would come to church barefoot with long hair. Uh, but what it was is we were beginning to see the beginning of the uh, the Jesus movement, which impacted an entire generation. You don't even hear the word hippie anymore. None. Uh, except a few people are maybe about 75 who have long hair, uh, you know, in the mountains of uh, Northern California. But other than that, that whole movement kind of died down. And, and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of young people were swept into the kingdom of God. And I was impacted by that. Um, you know, when I was a kid, being a Pentecostal was, you know, kind of looked down on, or at least that's how I felt the other kids at school did. Um, everything was kind of old-fashioned and a little, you know, a little bit extreme and pretty legalistic. And uh, with this, with the new Jesus movement and the charismatic movement, you know, in which uh, Methodists and Episcopalians and Lutherans and all kinds of People were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a, in a new and fresh way. And uh, uh, many, many churches started. Now, as we look back on it, uh, there were charismatic movements in just about every one of the denominations. In fact, the more liberal the denomination, the more open they were to, were to the work of the Holy Spirit. Wow. But one by one by one, the synods or the presbyteries or the uh, executive presbyters or, you know, different denominations use different terms, kind of shut it down. They actually had some trials. They actually kicked some people out. Uh, most of these people found homes in independent charismatic circles. And that's about the time that Charisma Magazine started. That was kind of the, the, the denominational thing was kind of going down. Uh, the Roman Catholics had a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in 1967. 
It's gone around the world. You know, they claim millions of people. And what it did was it revived, you know, there are a lot of Catholics that are Catholic in name only. Of course, there are a lot of Protestants that are Protestants in name only too. But what it did was it just really gave them a, a fervor for serving the Lord. And, and uh, most of them stayed in the Catholic church. But what happened was, and, you know, I'm probably getting into a history lesson that you didn't attend, but uh, the Catholic, in, in Protestant circles, when there's a church split or a disagreement or even what I just described, they solve it by kicking the people out. Mm. In the Catholic church, the Catholic church absorbs everything. I mean, at one point, the Franciscans was a, uh, was a revival movement, you know, in that day. I mean, if you study history and a lot of other things that someone explained to me, it was probably a Catholic friend that the Catholics aren't so concerned about you. They're more concerned about your children being Catholic. And over the years, it's been kind of absorbed in the Catholic church. And I think it's, it's had some good fruit, but it isn't growing, at least not in our country, like it was for so long. So this is kind of the era in which I was excited and a young journalist wanting to serve God, serve God. I started a little church magazine. Uh, there were some pretty successful Christian magazines back in that era. Of course, the whole magazine industry has changed over the decades, especially with the advent of uh, the Internet, which back then we could not even ha have imagined. So that's kind of my background. Um, I went to Secular University. I uh, went to the University of Florida and... Uh, saw back then a lot of the things that we see now on the university campuses, except that it wasn't so uh, over the top. And, uh, but, but it, in a way it did uh, prepare me for having to deal with what we're dealing with in the uh, culture now. Wow. Yeah. And this is adventures in the spirit. We love testimonies and stories, but I also was curious what your passion is. What drives Stephen String? Well, our motto describes it is to uh, inspire people to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I'm not a minister, you know, even though I'm invited to preach in churches once in a while, I'm not a minister. I've never been to Bible college. I have no ministerial credentials, never have. But I was a journalist that wanted to serve God. And, you know, I could see that the other Christian magazines basically did nothing or it was a, it was kind of critical um, about what the Holy Spirit was doing. In some ways, the secular press actually covered it better than the Christian press did. Um, and so I thought, oh, we're, we're going to report on what the Holy Spirit is doing. And in some ways, all these decades later, we're still doing that in new ways, in different ways, not just a magazine anymore, although Charisma is still around and Considering that all magazines in America are going through enormous changes, I, I think we're doing pretty well. But, you know, at its height, Charisma was, uh, you know, with pass along readership, we used to say maybe it was three or four hundred thousand at its apex. We have millions of people coming to our website yes, uh, every single month, several million podcasts every single month. And, you know, it's really just the tip of the iceberg because there are so many more people that we can reach all over the world. And the message is still the same. You know, even though there's some evolution and hopefully you're improving from a professional point of view, 
Uh, we're do still doing this. You could look at the stories we have in our website, teaching stories, trying to encourage people to get into the Bible or believe God or resist the enemy or overcome the attacks of Satan or believe that your kids will get saved. We were doing those kinds of stories years ago. And, you know, granted, back then we were doing stories on uh, Father Francis McNutt, who's now in heaven, or Derek Prince, who's now in heaven, or John Wimber, who's now in heaven. Now we're doing stories on people like Lance Wallnau or Sean Foyts or uh, uh, Michael Koulianos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it, it, somebody said that life is a passing parade and what's happening in the body of Christ is a passing parade. Now, I personally think that things are a whole lot more serious. They were serious back when I started. I mean, the 60s were awful. The 70s were awful. You know, uh, we had a president resign. There were several assassinations, uh, including Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. back in that era. There were riots at the Democratic National Convention. There was a summer of love and all that that I described a few minutes ago. Um, and this is kind of that on steroids, right? Uh, because since then we've uh, legalized abortion on demand, legalized same-sex marriage, which when I was in high school, I'd, I'd never even heard of such a thing. I didn't even know it was possible that two people of the same sex would consider themselves married. Um, you know, and now with the Supreme Court ruling last week, we can only imagine how that's going to affect things. And more and more and more, they're uh, deciding that preaching the gospel is hate speech. Right. Now, we don't literally have laws in our country, but they do in Canada. And, uh, you know, there's a revival going in Minneapolis. In fact, I was just working on it a few minutes ago. I'm trying to get uh, through to Sean Foyt's um, and, uh, you know, to find out more what's happened. But he did a face. Let's see. He, he did... I hope I'm saying this. I think he did it on Instagram and talking about the revival. People are getting saved and healed. And it's only a few hundred yards from where that tragedy, that horrible tragedy with um, uh, George Floyd happened. And, you know, there's kind of like a memorial there. I haven't been there, but I've seen pictures. And, you know, people go visit it. And, you know, uh, it's a very somber moment. And over here, there are people with their hands up, praising the Lord. And boy, there's been a huge clash. Um, I've only seen it on video, but it seems to me to be a beautiful expression of the body of Christ reaching out to hurting people and uh, praying with them and praising the Lord. I, I personally believe that our religious freedom allows us to coexist. Uh, you know, there's some people that want just want the Christians to go away. And uh, Instagram said that it violated their community policy. I'd like to know what kind of community policy, you know, how a thing has gotten so bad that you can't even proclaim the gospel in public because those people who aren't saved, who don't believe the Bible, uh, many of them, uh, and, you know, I don't want to sound judgmental, but many of them uh, living lifestyles that the Bible consider very, very sinful. They don't like to hear it. They don't like to be confronted with it. They're able to ignore it almost all the time. They don't go to church. They don't turn on Christian TV. They don't read something like charisma. You know, it's not a part of their life. And and now they're becoming more and more emboldened. Right. And this whole thing with coronavirus, and I go into this in my book that you referenced, which is God, Trump, uh, and COVID-19, um, 
our religious freedoms are just evaporated. Uh, it was interesting, just like overnight, the government was saying who is essential and non-essential. And they were, and this was in state after state. The liquor stores were considered essential. The abortion clinics were considered essential. But churches were considered non-essential. There were pastors who were actually arrested. Rodney Howard Brown, just down the street from me in Tampa, Florida, was actually arrested, fingerprinted, and photographed and held in prison for about an hour before he was able to put up bail. And you know what he did? He held church. And we have a First Amendment right to hold church. But these government officials that decided that public health was, you know, tantamount to something or other. And the irony is that they had met with the officials. They had bought $100,000 worth of equipment. I did a, a podcast on this with Matt Staver. It was in all the press. It made it sound like, at first, like Rodney was a lunatic, you know, endangering the lives of people. But he spent $100,000 for some hospital-grade uh uh, machines to cleanse the air, take all the droplets out, all the, you know, viruses that are floating around or something. I'm not a doctor, so I don't, I'm probably not saying it right. They disinfected everything. They were having people uh, six feet apart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was arrested. Now, the Hillsborough County uh, Commission did an about face when they were faced with a lawsuit over constitutional rights. In our area, you can go into Home Depot, there'll be 150 or 200 people in Home Depot passing in the aisles. Some wear masks, some don't, and that's okay. But you can't, you know, for a long time, you couldn't have more than 10 people in a church. And, and in right. some places, they said no churches could be, could be a whole service at all. And then when they were pushed on it, some of the governor's uh, you know, like Bill de uh, Blasio in New York City said he would shut down all churches and synagogues permanently. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it just seems so extreme. But if they didn't abide by these health guidelines, my concern is that it's coronavirus today. What is it tomorrow? We right. have a uh, constitutional right to worship. The government cannot tell us we can only worship over live streaming. Or in my case, my church had drive-in church for several weeks. You know, they tried to follow the rules and, you know, nobody got out of their car and, and we were at least able to get together and have church. But uh, now in my church, we're, we're holding services again. Uh, around where I live in Florida, things are pretty much getting back to normal. But I think what it shows is how quickly we lost our rights. Right. And the coronavirus today, what is it going to be tomorrow? And also if the left, all these people, Without exception, we're all pretty far left governors and mayors uh, in, in areas that were thoroughly blue in terms of how people vote. And if those people get in power in Washington, you know, they're going to get back. In fact, there was one governor, somebody explained, I thought it made a lot of sense. I'm not, not going to say the name because I... I may have quoted it wrong, but one of the governors uh, was actually really clamping down on churches to get back at it because he knew from the polls that the church people all voted for his opponent. And, you know, worse things, I suppose, have happened in politics, but it shows the mindset. And we are going to have that if Donald Trump does not get elected. And in my book, all of my books on Donald Trump, and I've written several of them, 
the newest one, God Trump in the 2020 election, is an impassioned plea to the body of Christ that things are bad, but they're going to get a whole lot worse if the other side gets in, period. End of discussion. And you cannot like Donald Trump's latest tweet. And actually, there are a few times I've said to myself, why did he have to say that? But you know what? What is the option? What is the option? There's nobody on the other side that's defending religious freedom. And I go into this in the books a lot. I also talk from a from the Bible point of view. God has always used imperfect people. Right. And you can make a very strong case for that some of the strongest leaders we've ever had, at least in recent memory, have been very, very flawed. In fact, all leaders are flawed. I'm flawed. Yeah. Jared, you're flawed. It's yeah. just that we're not being looked at under a microscope like Donald Trump is. And actually, Donald Trump is doing such a great job that the people who oppose him have to knit and pick and all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, they attacked him for holding up a Bible. I mean, aren't there more important things that you can uh, uh, attack a politician about? But they said, oh, it's a photo op. You know what? Somebody sent me a picture of Bill Clinton that was holding up a Bible. Now, it was in a very different setting. Everything wasn't so... uh, um, everybody wasn't so angry at each other like they are now. And a church had not just been burned. But with Bill Clinton holding up a Bible was no big deal. With with, uh, Trump, it was such a big deal. The BBC in London called me. One of their producers actually listened to my Strang Report podcast, believe it or not. And uh, as I got to know him, I I knew that he was a churchgoer and and, uh, studied the Bible and so forth. But and so he knew me and thought I'd be a good representative. And I went on, I was on live TV and they were asking me about it. And I said, listen, I'm a Bible believing Christian. I think holding up the Bible's good. I wish all politicians did. Right. And then we went on and talked about other things. But I mean, this just shows you how crazy uh, the media is, number one. And I'm a part of the media. You know, I studied secular journalism. I still consider myself part of the media. Of course, I'm way over on one of the fringes, wherever they put those of us who are Christians and who actually believe the Bible. But I'm just trying to give you a perspective of how I see what's going on in our country. And my writing these books was my sincere attempt to wake up the church. It's like a lot of people are like in a stupor. You know, they don't want to even admit that all these problems exist. And, um, you know, it's like, let's just stay in the four walls of our church and let's sing and praise the Lord. And let's not even think about what these crazies are doing, but they are going to take away our freedoms. And under our constitution, we have freedom of religion. Yes. These stores, the grocery stores, all the other, the liquor stores, the ones that were considered essential. There is no constitutional um, protection, but there is of our religious freedom. And the protesters are going on and on and on and on about how they have the rights, uh, freedom of speech, and they do. But you and I have freedom of speech too to pertain to proclaim the gospel. And yet, somehow, we couldn't proclaim the gospel from our churches. Or as I uh, said in Minneapolis with Sean uh, Fouts, uh, but these protesters can, you know, do and say anything they want. It just seems like a terrible. Um, hypocrisy, a a terrible double standard. And I'm hoping that my two books, God, Trump and the 2020 election and the sequel, because I considered the book on COVID to be a sequel because it didn't even come up until the other book had just been uh, finished. 
God, Trump, and COVID-19 and kind of how it's going to affect the election. Those two books, I hope that people will read, share with others, talk up, because I hope it wakes people up because if we're passive, if we do nothing, we will lose our rights and America as we have known it will not exist in the same way. But we also believe, and I put this in the book, the pro- uh, there are people that are prophesied that out of this terrible problem with everybody kind of being so unsettled and kind of upset by what's going on, that it's actually a great opportunity for those who proclaim the gospel, who offer hope, who are loving, and that, that we will see a big upturn in people turning to Jesus and even a great awakening. There are several people that are saying awakening. And believe me, I want to believe that's true. But as a journalist, I try to research it. I say, this is what this person says. This is the argument they make. It seems to make sense in light of other things and let the reader make their own decision. But like I said, we have got to be active. And my book is an apologetic. In fact, there's even a section in there that says, here are points you can make if you're kind of like debating this in a family setting with some of your family members who are you know, who are leftists or maybe sympathetic with some of these, you know, very, very radical people that are out in the streets looting and rioting. You know, I've made this case on my Strang report and in other things that I've written that that with the death of George uh, Floyd was tragedy. In fact, I told the BBC in the interview, I said, there's not one sane American that thinks that that officer was uh, had any uh, reason to do what he did. You know, sometimes when there are these altercations, uh, they say, well, the other person was trying to kill him or something. That wasn't the case. This, you know, for s- sane people who understand what's going on, you know, this was absolutely unnecessary. Let's call it murder. And there are people that are saying this is terrible. It is indicative of other police brutality that has happened in other parts of the country at other times. Now, it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the uh, police brutality, um, you know, of, of all the interactions with police. In fact, someone told me that the chance of getting killed by a civilian is far outnumbers the chances of getting killed by a policeman. I mean, I don't remember the statistics exactly, but uh, police brutality. And listen, we don't want police brutality. I don't want to be pulled over for a a speeding ticket and end up on my face on the ground with a uh, an officer's knee on my neck. Nobody wants that. But that's one group. And, you know, they have a right. And we have a right to protest that thing. However, there are anarchists. Antifa is probably the best known. But listen, if you go to the website and look at some of the videos for Black Lives Matter, it may have started off on a good base. But some of the founders espouse Marxist doctrine. I've watched the videos myself. And if nothing else has been kind of taken off, taken over by these people, there are anarchists who are waiting for something to kind of pull the trigger to have unrest in our country. This is very typical of what happens when socialists and communists have tried to take over other countries going all the way back to uh, Russia with Lenin. I watched a documentary with Brett Baer just the other day on Fox uh, in which he was kind of going over this all the way up to uh, Venezuela more recently in Cuba uh, in my own lifetime. I was a child, of course, but 
you know, this is, this is typical. And then the third group is the looters. These are people that just wait until there's chaos and they just want free stuff or actually it's not free. It's stolen. They go in and steal it. I mean, in Minneapolis, when all this started, they were showing cars pulling up in front of Target like it was a drive-through at a, a hamburger joint. And they and then somebody would come out and, and put a big screen TV or whatever they'd stolen and they would pull off. The next one would come out. And, and sometimes people got out of the car and went in and got stuff. And then after the good stuff was gone, then they were bringing out everything else. I mean, this is just this is lawlessness that has nothing to do with the tragic death of this man who died in Minneapolis. And we can't kind of lump all the people together because they're not. The peaceful protesters are not the looters, but the looters are not protesting the death of this man. Stealing is no way to protest anything, no matter how bad it is. And we Christians protest too. We don't like what's going on, but our protests must be peaceful. We must, uh, honor Jesus and what we do and say, and we have to be an example to others. And, you know, sooner or later, we're going to work through this. We're going to get this behind us. Uh, there's reason to believe that there will be a huge backlash against the left at the next election. On the other hand, there may be so much chaos that everybody just kind of throws up their hands. Uh, the conservative people all stay home. The other side, um, stuffs the ballot with all these mail-in ballots. Uh, In fact, uh, I have a whole chapter in God Trump the 2020 election on why Trump might lose. And one of them is because the other side is so committed to what they believe. It's like they will stop at nothing. And also there's all kinds of dishonesty. I document a number of uh, cases, some of them known, some of them not so well known, about where there has been voter fraud and how voter fraud could happen this time. That is a very, very serious uh, possibility. So it, to me, the election is kind of a toss up. I personally believe that Donald Trump will win. And some of the prophets have said the same thing right. long before all this happened. Uh, as far back as before he was even elected, they said that God was going to raise up a disruptor like him who is going to uh, be elected for two terms. I document all this in my book. I, In fact, in some ways, I felt I was writing history. And I was very, very careful to document everything where something was speculative, even a prophecy by David Wilkerson. It's not speculative. The prophecy is not speculative, but it's speculative uh, by at least some people think he didn't say it. It was a but I document all this. He said it privately to my friend, Mike Evans. I happen to believe Mike Evans. And I actually sent it to the prophecy and some of the criticisms to David Wilkerson's son, Gary, who I know personally. And Gary said, well, you know, he wasn't there. He didn't know anything written since then, but it certainly sounded like something his dad would say. And I thought, you know what? That gave it the ring of authenticity. I was able to use it. And I explained all this to the reader and I was just using it as an example. Well, I appreciate that because the David Wilkerson prophecy, you know, it's, it, it went viral, but it was attacked. It seems like everything's recently has been maligned and attacked, misinformation, disinformation, even in the church body. And you're right. We need to be discerning about what is taking place in this season, especially this year. And this book, God, Trump, COVID-19, it's, it's loaded with a lot of great bombshells. Uh, so I want to recommend that to anybody and everybody for that as it 
elaborates on the David Wilkerson prophecy that, that you just mentioned as it talks about the times that we're in and what, what Christians should be doing, God, Trump, and COVID-19. And uh, it's also available on Audible, but you can get a, a disc. I have a website. It's my name, stevestrangbooks.com. There's an F on the end of books. And if you do, I, I have an autographed copy. In fact, uh, is this one? Yeah, I autographed this one. <laughs> and uh, and then the main book. But there, it's also available at Walmart and, you know, Barnes & Noble and all those, as well as Amazon, of course. We try to make it available. The, the book is doing well. Um, it is not a runaway bestseller. I need all your viewers and listeners to go out and, and help it be that. And, and uh, you know, I'm the publisher. I'm right. People know me as a publisher. I started Charisma Magazine, and now we publish books and the Bible and a whole bunch of stuff. But I wrote this because it was my way, as Stephen Strang, to try to speak into what's happening in the culture. I've done a lot of media, which allows me to you know, make some of the points I just made. And I'm wanting to get people to change, and they're not going to do it unless they read the book. Or unless, you know, someone talks to him about what's in the book. And we, we need to get some momentum going. Yeah. And I need people to help even to leave reviews on Amazon or, or to share, uh, you know, the link for this, uh, this podcast on their own Facebook pages, to talk about it with their friends, to bother to track down a copy themselves. Uh, on the website, you can buy multiple copies at a cheaper price. It's my, my way to encourage people to try to get the word out. So. I hope you believe that I'm entirely sincere when I'm saying I'm wanting to get this out as much as possible. It's an important message, especially for the Christians. This is written from a Christian point of view. We talk about the Bible and about prophecies and about spiritual warfare and all this kind of stuff. Secular people don't talk about this stuff right. except to try to make us look bad. And they just they just make fun of it like it's so much superstition. But we know it's not. We know that this is a reality. The spiritual, the spiritual dimension is more real than the natural dimension. Yeah. The natural dimension that we see and uh, feel and touch and hear is going to be gone someday. Only the spiritual realm and our relationship with God and our, our spending eternity either in heaven or in hell is going to go on forever. And, you know, it sounds like the a cliche from Sunday school, but it's just absolutely true. And we've got to understand this at a very, very deep level. And it's got to uh, kind of motivate our actions. And together, we do have enough numbers, enough people believe in God, enough people still believe in the Constitution, enough people still want a strong economy and good trade deals and the other things that, that you know, uh, security around our borders, you know, the things that Donald Trump uh, makes issues of people don't want uh, anarchy and c cars being burned and storefronts being broken and stuff looted. Nobody wants to live in a culture like that or in cities where they have no police force. So we've got to stand together. We've yeah. got to work together, put this president in office and try to move to change this country. First of all, you know, I guess I'm describing more politically, but really there's got to be a change spiritually. It starts with us, with God dealing with our own hearts, cleaning up the sin that's in our own lives, the apathy, the passivity, and then and then how can we affect the world? As, as God changes us one by one, we can be changed collectively 
and we can try to get this country moving in a different direction by God's grace. I love that. Thank you so very much. That was Stephen Strang, CEO, founder of Charisma Media. And Stephen, could you share again the best way for people to get a hold of you for more information? Well, it's to go to my website, stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name, Steve Strang, the word books all together, .com. It's pretty simple. There's all kinds of things there that you can get, information, some free stuff, a way to contact me. Or you can always do it at info at charismamedia.com. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Again, everybody, that was Stephen Strang of Charisma Media with the book, God, Trump, COVID-19 and God, Trump and the 2020 election. They're all great books. They're loaded with lots of information about the prophecies, about COVID-19, about China. There are some bombshells in here about Fauci, uh, some amazing things. I'd recommend this for you. And please subscribe and share this podcast, Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky, that is on the Charisma Podcast Network. Stephen's ministry, his publishing agency, Charisma Podcast. Thank you, Stephen, for being on Adventures in the Spirit. Thank you, Jared. It was good to be with you. It's my pleasure. My pleasure to serve. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation in Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com, and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit.